Jonathan's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah singing in for Jonathan Hood tonight. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We are live from the First Midwest Bank Studios on State Street in downtown Chicago. We are here till 10 o'clock tonight. We are open for business and your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Hit us up on Twitter. We will get back to you throughout the show. In about 10 minutes, we will talk college football with one of our favorite guests, Dan Rubenstein from the Solid Verbal Podcast. He talks college football all year long, and he'll join us in 10 minutes right here on ESPN 1000 at 8.30. Another one of our favorite guests, Sarah Langs from MLB.com. We'll talk some interesting stats with Major League Baseball, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez. Why is Baez struggling? What's going on with the Chicago Cubs with their home and road splits? We'll talk with Sarah Langs from MLB.com at 8.30. Lots to do here this hour, Abdallah. Yes, Chris, we are but 10 days away from NFL kickoff. The Bears have a kicker, and that's... That's like all that was we were worrying about, right? That's how you start things off. You get me going with the we are all but 10 days away. Because I agree with you. Once we get to this week, mm. the week leading up to the first weekend of college football, baby, it's all downhill oh, from that's, here. That's it. That's right? it. Like, like that's we're it. here because college uh-huh. football is this that's weekend. It. We start to build. We're building. We're building. Next weekend, we're going to have football. And next thing you know it, we're only going to be sitting two days away from Bears and Packers. Because you, think about it. Labor Day is Monday. We come back to work on Tuesday. Most normal people come back to work mm-hmm. on Tuesday, and you will be ready. And there's only two, two days, days away. Game. Two, two days. days away. Bears and Packers. Listen, you and I went out to dinner with our wives on Saturday night, and when I got home, and, and I, I, I kissed my wife, and I said, that's it. I'll see you Goodbye. in the spring. Because we'll see you college, later. college football is on now, and then the NFL starts, and I will see you when the weather turns and there's no longer football, because that's what we do. We just watch football all I weekend. thought you mentioned the wives and dinner because you were going to tell us how you found out about the Andrew Luck news. But No, oh, okay. I mean, no, right. no. Uh, Chris Buck and Adam Abdallah singing in for Jonathan Hood tonight on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We are fired up, though. For the NFL season, just two weeks away, and uh, Thursday night football, the Bears and the Packers kick things off 
Did you see what SI is projecting the Bears to do this season? I'll mm. tell you in just a couple of moments mm. what they are predicting the, the Chicago Bears to be. But let's hear from Matt Nagy today at Hellas Hall. He talked about what he expects to see, a lot of great things from Leonard Floyd this season for the Chicago Bears on defense. Last year, halfway through the season, he turned it on. He started getting, you know, you could really feel him. He got to the offseason, and, and, and now we had a new defense coordinator and Coach Pagano, and Leonard hasn't skipped a beat. So when I see him back there and I see 52 on one side and I see Leonard on the other side, um, somebody that's very slippery, you know, he's, he's, we all know he has that wiggle, and, but he's, He's very, very eager to learn every single day. He's a sponge, and he wants to learn. I hear this from the coaches. You know, He wants every little piece of advice he can get. He's very focused, very driven, smart player. And so now it's just a matter of him producing and, and doing it this year, and I think he's excited to do that. But I see a lot of great things from him. You know, Leonard Floyd's one of the players on the Bears' defense that if he takes it to another level, that's where this defense, you know, we've all talked all summer about Eddie Jackson, Khalil Mack. You know, Leonard Floyd really is a guy that goes under the radar, but his special talent, and if he can develop to what we were thinking when he was drafted, it, it adds so much to this Bears defense. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's one of the guys that I've got my eye on for sure uh, to take that next step. I think that uh, Roquan Smith is going to be huge in this defense, especially the way him and Leonard Floyd are going to be huge in this defense, especially the way Chuck Pagano likes to bring pressure. And then what happens is people are everybody's saying that the Bears are going to regress on defense. There's no way they can keep up those turnovers. Well, what happens when you pressure the quarterback, Chris? They're forced into bad throws. And that's where guys like Kyle Fuller, guys like Eddie Jackson, that's where those guys thrive is when quarterbacks are making mistakes. And if Eddie Jackson, they ended drives. They ended 20% of their drives with a turnover last year. It's unheard of. It's unprecedented, those numbers. So the Bears, they can still be as good. They can still regress on defense a little bit, but still be just as good, still be a number one defense. And a key to that is Leonard Floyd taking that next step and becoming the player that the Bears thought they were drafting. Jeff Dickerson, Bears reporter for ESPN on ESPN.com. The Bears wide receiver Anthony Miller said on Monday that the Bears, uh, that Anthony Miller will play against the Green Bay Packers in week one. He's been banged up as of the last couple of weeks. Here's Matt Nagy on the health of Miller and how he's a great weapon for the Bears offense. You know, when he's on the field, he's a playmaker. He can, he can make plays and he's a weapon for us, but uh, we, we right now just having him out the last several weeks. We got to make sure that he stays inside that playbook and he understands the details of this offense. and And so that's our focus is making sure he does that. And once once you do that um, in the game, then your volume of plays starts good, to go up a little bit. So that's the latest from Hallis Hall today. As the Bears prepare for their final preseason game, which is on Thursday. And once that's over with, now we can actually set our so sights far. on the Bears and the Packers. Two Thursdays from this week. You know why it's over is because today was the day, and they did this last year, is the day that Matt Nagy and the Bears staff separated the team. Uh, the guys who know they're going to make their team went inside and they began work for the Packers. Everybody else went outside and, and started work for the last preseason game that's going to take place on Thursday. That's when you know it's real. You've got guys, you've got the ones preparing for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers for opening night at Soldier Field, and you've got the you know the the other guys who are you know not necessarily fighting for spots on the roster but maybe fighting for spots on the death chart those guys are going to be working uh for this Thursday night for their fourth preseason game and once once that happens like you said 
then it's definitely over. Eddie Pinheiro is going to be kicking the whole time, and uh, that's all I really care about. Just don't miss any kicks. He made a 58-yarder. How about that? How about that? I'm just, uh, I'm going to wait. What's wrong with it? If that's okay with you, uh, my take on the kicker take is that I'm going to wait to see him make kicks in an actual game. But here's, no, because you know why that is? You know why that is, Chris? That's because the Bears put that in your head. The Bears no. put that in your head. No, yes, I'm, I'm, by in, having I'm a an independent thinker when it no, comes to kickers. They had this competition, and they had this kickoff, and they had this Augusta silence. So everybody was like, who's going to be the kicker? Who's going to be the kicker? If they would have just traded for Pinheiro and said, this is our kicker, it's Eddie Pinheiro, no, you'd be like, okay. Listen, bro. That's it. No I one would have said anything else. I wasn't sitting in a chair like Alex from A Clockwork Orange being making forced watch the the 43 yarder double doink all off season right i'm okay just i'm saying. an independent thinker when it comes to kickers i'll wait to see the guy make a couple before i care just how about that 58 yards something. did you see this earlier today yeah. uh so sports illustrated has uh released on newsstands their uh nfl season preview magazine and in the magazine they have their projected 2019 standings and their postseason projections you want to know what the projections are for the NFC North? No, I know. The division winner for the NFC North, the 11 and 5 Minnesota Vikings. Wow. From Sports Illustrated. Wow. In second place, making the playoffs as the final wild card team at 10 and 6, the Green Bay Packers. The third place team in the division. So you're like, oh man, as a Bears fan, what? Third place. All right, okay. Third place. Uh, Sports Illustrated on newsstands now. Third place. They have the Detroit Lions get, at nine and seven. Get out of here. Third in the division. So you're telling me, and they have the Chicago me, Bears seven and nine this you're season. You're telling me that the Bears are going to go seven and nine. They're going to. They're going to Jacksonville Jaguar themselves. They're going to yeah. Jaguar themselves. Yep, I'm yep. not going to shorten the expression. It. I'm not yep. going to shorten it anymore because I like I like this time. I like the job. <laughs> uh, they're not they're not going to do that. They're not going to go seven to nine, Chris. And for those wondering, if you're trying to do the math in your head and figure out what are the uh, what's the other wild card team, who else gets in in the NFC? Uh, the Eagles win the East at ten and six. Yep. The South is won by the Saints at eleven and five. The West is run, won by the Rams at twelve and four. They're the number one seed, and the San Francisco 49ers make it in as the first wild card team at ten and six. Those are the projections wow. from Sports 49ers, Illustrated. Okay. That was just released uh, this week on newsstands now. Sports <laughs> Illustrated. Uh, the Bears at 79. And what I think is interesting about this is this is not the first publication nationally that is projecting the Bears to regress from what we saw last season at 12 and 4. The other notable one, and the true final DVOA projections for the season from Football Outsiders have yet to be released, but the Almanac is out. And if you look through what they have to offer from Football Outsiders, they are also suggesting that the Bears will not make the playoffs and they will be around an 8-8 eight and eight team suggesting regression on defense. And that's why the offense will not be able to make up for the lack of regression from the uh, defensive side of the ball. The offense won't overcome that. Thus, the Bears will be a 500 team. I don't believe it, Chris. I don't give in to these haters and these prognosticators. I don't give in to the, to, to the rag 
the what? known as Sports Illustrated. What are you doing? Just the, calling out SI now? I don't believe. Well, but, but what kind believe. of uh, hacky local angle is that? <laughs> to to call out a, a national publication because you just disagree with their, their take. These these computers. Like, what, what kind of these a joke com- are you? I think these computers, yeah. these DVOA computers, yeah. I think they need to be turned off and restarted. Yes. I think they need a hard restart. Yeah. T-1000 <laughs> needs to be taken out. A hard restart. And they need to look at themselves. The computer needs to look itself in the mirror and decide whether it's all in or not in the Chicago Okay. Uh, so we'll get back to that. We'll talk some Bears a little bit later on this evening as well. Chris Bluck and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Let's switch to this. College football week one is here. We are ready to do it. We're ready to talk college football, and let's do it with Dan Rubenstein, one of our favorite guests talking college football. He hosts the Solid Verbal Podcast. You can find it on iTunes. You can also follow him on Twitter at Dan Rubenstein. Dan, it's Chris and Adam. How are you, and uh, how excited are you for week one of the college football season? I'm a little bit under the weather physically, health-wise, but in terms of emotion. I'm soaring. It's week one. Also, I can talk bears if you want to talk bears. What do you think of the projections? We've now seen two different uh, national publications. Sports Illustrated saying the bears will go seven and nine. And Football Outsiders is projecting them to be in a 500 team and miss the playoffs. What do you think of that? So the only reason I know about any of this is because my father-in-law, Joel, was just over here. Huge bears fan. He was visiting New York and my friend Bill Barnwell, who used to write for Football Outsiders, now writes for ESPN. He, my father-in-law, had a captive audience, and he asked them this very question. And I know you guys were ranting against DVOA because you didn't like it. I don't know. No. Um, but he, he pointed to the Vic Fangio and turnover luck thing, that you know balls are going to bounce the other way, and Vic Fangio might be the best defensive mind in the NFL, and losing him is a big deal. So it was more of a, a compliment about where the Bears were last year than where they're necessarily this year. Yeah, we love DVOA. Yeah. And if I could have spoken to your father-in-law beforehand, I would have told him <laughs> not to talk to Bill Barnwell because I know how Bill Barnwell feels fears, uh, feels about the Bears, and that's something he didn't need to walk into. Well, and Dan, uh, Abdallah and I fight this thing here at the station where many uh, view things like Pakoda in baseball or DVOA in sure. football, and they just say, well, well football outsiders is... Is, is giving us a hot take. Well, well, no, it's analytics, and they're they're giving you <laughs> a suggestion on what could happen. That's and I feel like it's sometimes a generational thing where people don't quite get it. I don't even want to show them S and P plus. Like, is that all? Here's the here's the thing though. It's a tool, right? It's it's right. not absolute. It's not a it's not a biblical foreseeing this is going to happen because. I look at things that happen in college football, and I look at the advanced analytics, and I look at everything, and there's just an incredible way of, of putting games that we've already seen into context and trying to use them to predict what may happen based on trends. But the, the people who actually come up with this stuff, they're the first ones to tell you it's a tool. It's not like an absolute thing. So do you think, based on all the tools and metrics, is this the mm-hmm. year that Jim Harbaugh gets a team into the college football playoff? Yes, ah. but I don't know. If that, I'm I'm very stupid though. That's the other. That's the other thing you need to keep in mind. Um, yeah, I think it's in terms of the context. The schedule is pretty good. Getting Ohio State with a first year coach and a new starting quarterback in as many years. Um, getting them in Ann Arbor. This defense should be athletic, even with what they lose. And you know, Devin Bush was sensational for them. Rashawn Gary flashed obviously a ton. But they're athletic. They're fast. That you know, you're talking about years and years of recruiting and the depth they've built up on defense. With now an experienced senior quarterback, what we really hope, just as general college football fans, is a healthy receiving core. Finally, 
Uh, I have questions about the running backs, but as I, I've talked about on a lot of our preview shows, talking about any conference, you give me a combination of good quarterback, which I think Shea Patterson can be, and good defense, which Michigan has proven outside of one specific game late in the season, um, that they have that combination, at least in a more proven way than anybody in the Big Ten. So, yeah, I think it's a great year to look at Michigan and say, this should be the year where everything comes together. Dan Rubenstein joining Chris Buck and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. If we look at the other side of the conference in the Big Ten, what do you see coming out winning the Big Ten West? There seem, we were discussing the other night. It seems like there are four teams, and really you could put them in a hat, and whoever could come out on top is winning the West this season. Yeah, ultimately, I mean, if I'm going to use that same sort of logic and saying that's the, common, the combination of quarterback and defense is what I trust the most, I'm probably going with Iowa right now just because of that defensive line. The fact that they, I mean, the Big Ten West is a study in winning ugly at times. We've seen it with Northwestern. We've seen it with uh, Minnesota. We've seen it with Iowa. And we've seen it with with Wisconsin, even the best of Wisconsin. There's some ugly wins there. And I don't don't think Jack Cohn is there. We've seen enough from him. Um, uh, Hunter Johnson, maybe. We know he probably has a, a pretty high ceiling based on his recruiting profile. Uh, and I just, I like Nate Stanley. I like A.J. Epinesa on the other side of the ball. I like the fact that Iowa plays to an identity and Northwestern should be good. You know, there's a lot of teams that are pretty good, but I just, there's something about Iowa that I just, you know, it's just every two, three years, you're like, yeah, they're, they're, they have a bunch of upperclassmen. They look to be in good shape. And I think that's where the Hawkeyes are. We're going to get deep into the Big Ten here now. Uh, is this the year that Lovey Smith oh, in no. Illinois oh, no. win more games? Then Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern. Oh, no. Like against each other? No, like no. <laughs> no, like, come on. I think, I, think, I think Illinois can win like five or six games this year, and I think Northwestern might only be able to win five or six games this year. At what point do we have to just like fully concede that Northwestern's pretty good as a program, right? Does is, is it happen this it's year? It's a tough September. Very tough. <laughs> It is a tough September, and whoever loses that, they play Stanford, right? Whoever loses yeah. that game is going to have an amazing year. They always do. Whoever loses that game is going to be incredible. Um, as for Illinois, I'd love to think good things. They could get in a bunch of transfers. I know Brandon Peters is the announced starting quarterback, and he had his moments. He had you know glimpses of, of interesting times at Michigan. I don't think he has a particularly high ceiling. But the fact is, you know, the front of that schedule, Akron, UConn, I just pulled it up. Eastern actually has a good defense, Eastern Michigan. Nebraska, Minnesota gets a little tougher. So there's three possible wins at the top. And then you have Rutgers and what? Like, what? what is the, what is that? I mean, they looked good against Minnesota. I don't think it'll happen again this year. So I, I kind of see them maxing out at four unless something runs wild with that offense, which they have good backs, but... It's really hard to feel too confident in them getting to a bowl this year unless they randomly get a bunch of teams with a hurt quarterback. Dan Rubenstein from the Solid Verbal Podcast talking with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. If we look at the top of the standings, Clemson and Alabama, it's what we had last year. They made it all all the way through the season with all the hype and everything that we saw. Do you expect the same thing to happen for Alabama and Clemson, that they will just be there in the college football playoff in the end? Less so than I have in previous years, um, just because there's, there's so many unknowns now because Clemson has been able to, to lean on their defensive line more than anything. And Trevor Lawrence, for all of the skill he very clearly has, was put in such a terrific position by that defense in those big games, whether it was Notre Dame, whether it was Alabama, you know, the end of the season against South Carolina. Um, 
And, and with Alabama, I you know I'm always going to pencil in Alabama to go to the national championship and to go to the playoff. But the year over year coaching turnover of almost basically the complete staff, we've seen it with you know three guys here, a couple guys here, four guys there. It seems like it's an unsustainable way to keep going undefeated during the regular season. Like at some point. With LSU improving, and I know they almost never score in Alabama. With Mississippi State, that that should have a better offense this year and still a good defense. With uh, with Texas A and M, you know, really enriching talent wise under Jimbo. At some point, they're going to lose a regular season game, and they're going to lose a tiebreaker and not even make it to the SEC championship game, and maybe not make it to the playoff. Um, I don't think it's this year when they have a transformational quarterback, but I'm less and less sure of things. So I'm going to say yes. But like, there's a little bit of there's a there's a sneaky high end of the end of that sentence, sort of like a yes, I guess, yes. But I, I'm less sure. Jalen Hurts tr- uh, transfers from Alabama to Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley. Can they do it again? And he can he get what? Can Lincoln Riley get out of Jalen Hurts what he got out of Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield? Even though he's not clearly he's not as good as those two quarterbacks. But can Lincoln right. Riley kind of just work his magic again? I, I don't. I mean, to ask them to get on the level of Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, number one overall picks, Heisman winners. We're talking about a complete rarity, and like this should never happen in college football to have those two guys back-to-back. Uh, so, no, he can't get them to them le- their level. But I think he is excellent at getting the best out of his guys. He gets them to their own potential to, to reach their own ceiling. And from what we've seen from Jalen Hurts, that's getting a team to a playoff that's pretty dangerous with his feet and with his arm, that's limiting turnovers, and... I don't think he's going to have to do all that much. He's not going to have to put this team on his shoulders. They've got two good running backs. They've got four or five pretty good receivers. The big question to me is, is he good enough to get them to 40, 45 points consistently? Because the defense is going to give up 35, 38 points. If the defense is improved under Alex Grinch, the new coordinator, I think it's a no-brainer. I don't think they're going to be putting up stupid numbers like Kyler Murray and, uh, and Baker Mayfield were able to lead them to. But I don't think they're going to need. To. I don't think they're going to need it. I think it's just going to be Jalen Hurts becoming the best possible version of Jalen Hurts, which is still pretty dangerous. Dan Rubenstein from the Solid Verbal Podcast, talking with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN One Thousand. The main game on Saturday night on ABC Television: Oregon number eleven against Auburn number sixteen. It's the only ranked matchup that we have in the opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Who do you see winning this contest? And do you think Oregon is a true team from the West that can challenge for the college football playoff? I don't think Oregon's on a playoff level yet, and that's just because we haven't seen it with Mario Cristobal, that upper-upper level consistently. And You know, it's one of those things where it's, it's walk before you run, and I think Oregon showed it can walk a little bit last year, but with the, how they looked on the road last year against Utah and Arizona and Washington State, I'm worried. And I, I think they can definitely beat Auburn, and I think it's huge, but it's those, you know, a couple stumbles along the way that I think will hurt them. They're on the road against Washington. They're on the road against Stanford. They're traveling to USC. Um, I think they miss Utah this season, but um, I think it's going to be tough. It's a new defense, and they're really beat up at wide receiver, a position they couldn't afford to be. So I think I'm act- I keep going back and forth on the, uh, the Oregon-Auburn game, but I think I'm starting to like Oregon a little bit more in that game because I just the, the, the fact that Auburn's starting a true freshman at quarterback on such a big stage is kind of terrifying, and I think we should terrify Auburn fans, even as good as their defensive line is. I'm taking Oregon this weekend to to edge them out because there is an unpredictability to Oregon's defense, and there is that 
the, the comfort that Oregon has with Justin Herbert and the line he has in front of him. But it's it's I go back and forth. It's going to be pretty tight, I think. Dan, one last one for you. Is uh, Texas finally back? Texas is backish. Backish, um, yes, Texas, backish. Backish. Um, yeah, I think Texas is back. I think it's, you know, the your definition of back may vary. Um, you know, they have this incredible run with Mac Brown, 2004, do I want to say 2009, um, where I, I think that level is not ever going to happen to anyone except for maybe Alabama and Clemson. Uh, it just They're just too loaded and they've recruited too well for too long. Texas can get to that level if they hit on quarterbacks. Right now, Texas is back as a Big 12 contender, a very serious Big 12 contender, and that feels like the right definition. So my answer with that context is, yes, Texas is back. Thank you, Dan. We appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. Dan Rubenstein from the Solid Verbal Podcast. Find them on iTunes. You can follow Dan on Twitter at Dan Rubenstein. Texas, officially back. I can't wait for that week one (laughs) preview from the Solid Verbal it, you just know it's like yeah, Christmas it's morning. You just it's know good. football's back. Uh, we are back on Saturday back. with Jonathan Hood, Chicago's college tailgate from noon to 2.30 on Saturday, walking you into coverage of Duke in Alabama, heard right here on ESPN 1000. So Chicago's college tailgate, Hood, Black and Abdal, we are back for another season of college football conversation each Saturday throughout the fall. And we have a special show on Monday before the Notre Dame game on Labor Day. So we will be here from 3 to 6 on Monday as well. Two shows this weekend, opening weekend, let's go. Let's Two shows, it. wow. Well, did you not? did you just find out right now? No, I knew. You, you said wow, like you just found out. No, like wow, that's a lot of college football talk. That's like that's five and a half hours of college football talk. Yeah, we have the preview that's shows, right? Like we'll do preview stuff on Saturday, and mm-hmm. then we will recap the weekend and look ahead at Notre Dame on Monday. And if you want even more, we did a college football preview podcast on the Best of One Thousand page on ESPN's podcast page. Check that out. Check it out. Check it out. Yeah, we went through the uh, top ten win totals, and then we gave some uh, select lock bets that we're going to bet the win totals for this college football <laughs> we season. Both cringed when Dan said he liked. Iowa. Iowa. <laughs> under, under. Black and Abdal, we talk with our favorite uh, MLB guest, Sarah Langs from MLB.com. Coming up next, right here, Chris Black and Abdal in for Jonathan Hood. Chicago's number one football station welcomes our newest pro, Bears defensive tackle Hakeem Hicks. What's up, guys, man? It's awesome to be here. He takes us into the Bears world weekly on Waddle and Sylvie throughout the season. Once a week? We're going to do this every week? Yes. All 52 weeks, you're not going to get an offseason from us. (laughs) Hakeem Hicks on Chicago's home for Bears fans. We're going to kill it, man. It's going to be awesome. ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chris Blackham, Abdallah sing in for Jonathan Hood tonight on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You just heard Sports Center, the Cardinals, bottom of the six, up 11 to 2 on the Brewers. So that means if the Cardinals go on to win tonight, the Cubs will be starting tomorrow. Their series against the Mets, three games back of the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cubs are on the road. They've been a terrible baseball team on the road this season, Abdallah. So you got three on the road against the Mets, and you might be three back after tonight. Yeah, and that's going to be a tough hole to climb out of, especially if you go to New York and play the Mets the way you've been playing on the road so far, especially when you have to face 
their quality pitchers in uh, Syndergaard and DeGrom and Stroman. So that's going to be tough for the Cubs. Let's talk to Sarah Langs from MLB.com. You see her everywhere, and you can follow her on Twitter at Sports. Sarah, it's Chris and Adam this evening. What's going on? And when you take a look at this Cubs team and you look at the way they've played on the road, is there any way to explain why they've been so bad on the road this season? Hey, guys. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. Really, really glad to be chatting with you. It's so weird, right? Like, I was just talking to someone about this the other day. They're such a talented team. You guys know that. I feel like we've talked about that a couple times this season, and it, I, it it's just sort of one of these inexplicable things. You look at the numbers, you see what's good at home and how it's not good on the road, and, you know, it, it feels like it's – I don't want to say it's in their heads. That's an unfair thing to say, right? I don't know these guys, but – it's just weird. You just don't see these things happen, especially to teams that are as talented as the Cubs are right now. It seems like uh, most of the team is struggling offensively, but mostly Javier Baez, who has a 493 OPS and no home runs in the last 15 games uh, that he's been at the plate. What's been the biggest difference for Javier Baez so far in the last few weeks? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, even just looking at his whole season, I mean, he, he had an absolutely outstanding season last year, and it was going to be, you know, in certain ways hard to live up to that. But one thing that always stands out to me with him is he's such a free swinger. And last year it worked for him, but that's not something that's always going to work. Obviously, we've seen guys who are able to make a career out of that, but it's tough. And that's something where when you're struggling, you're really, really struggling. And his whiff rate right now is the second highest of his career. So, you know, last year he had that a little bit in check. He's still doing all of his normal stuff, swinging at the first pitch a lot. But when that's not working, then all of a sudden there's a lot more strikeouts and, you know, a lot more issues. Sarah Langs from MLB.com joining Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We've talked about Chris Bryant at times over the course of the summer, and he's been really good this year. And a lot of people here in Chicago point to the fact that his numbers look like they did when he won the MVP in 2016. But to me, I asked the question, why are Chris Bryant's numbers not jumping like other stars in the National League when he was like the chosen one of the launch angle generation? Shouldn't his numbers be jumping and popping just like some of these other stars in the National League? Is there anything there from what you've seen in the numbers that you kind of look at and, and think is interesting based on Chris Bryant's play? Yeah, you know, we talked about him early in the year, and I was actually really high on the season he was having. It seems like, and it still seems like, he's completely past that shoulder injury and that he's really back to being Chris Bryant. But one thing that I look at a lot are are expected stats that come from StatCast. So those are basically based on quality of contact, which essentially means launch angle and exit velocity. And you guys know that you don't just want the highest or the lowest there. You want the perfect combination. So it's essentially evaluating how much you're achieving that and his expected stats are actually not that great at this point in the year he has a 243 expected batting average which would be tied for the lowest of his career and a 449 expected slugging which would be his lowest so something has changed over the course of the last couple months or so i think he was kind of off to a different start where i actually use expected stats to say how well he was playing um to you guys maybe a couple months ago but it's interesting and i think that to the point of popping i mean he has so many stars on this team with him right javier baez el mago you get all of these ad campaigns you have anthony rizzo being the um ambassador for players weekend and i just kind of think that in terms of the publicity that's sort of where he falters and that's no fault of his own you know that's just really being on a great team, which is probably something that you'd love to be, right? 
You Darvish has pitched a little bit better so far this uh, this month, but if you look at his monthly totals, he pretty much has the same stats going from month to month. Is he pitching better, or is he just getting more run support and thus getting wins now? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I think that he's looked a lot better this year. I think that because the Cubs have had the issues on the road and because we've seen a lot of inconsistency from them, even at home at times, it's hard to necessarily evaluate just how good or not he's been. I mean, we know that he wasn't great last year. He was definitely a disappointment, but his cutter has been so much better for him this year. He had a 333 batting average against the last year, and it's 190 this year. And that's sort of how I see that he's really succeeding. And we've seen recently that his control has been really, really good. He has the streak with the no walks. His walk rate is 8% even across the whole year right now. It was 11% last year, so... That seems to be a pretty good sign. I, I think that he's back to being, you know, he may never be that, what, 2013-14 U Darvish on the Rangers, but I think he's back to being a guy that the Cubs, you know, expected when they signed him. Sarah Lane's talking with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. You know, besides you Darvish, Jose Quintana has been fantastic this season for the Cubs as well. Is there anything you see for, uh, from Quintana where you look at it and say, this is sustainable for the future, or maybe we'll see a regression here towards the end of this season? No, I think if anything, he's headed for, you know, continuing to get better. If you look at it, his ERA is actually slightly worse than last year, but his FIP is significantly lower. That's fielding independent pitching, which essentially takes any wild cards out of the equation, someone making a bad play behind you or anything else, right? And so his FIP right now is 3.71. Last year was 4.43. So last year, he essentially got lucky that his ERA was 4.03. This year, if anything, he has not gotten lucky, which tells you that if he continues to go out there and pitch the way he's pitching, hopefully, you know, that will turn around for him. So if anything, it seems like he's headed for, you know, the opposite of a regression. What is that, a progression? I don't, I don't yeah. know exactly. <laughs> but something like that, right? Right. Uh, the Cardinals are currently beating the Brewers. If it ends like this tonight, the Cubs will be three games back in the division. The Cardinals have gone 16-9 and in July and 14-8 and in August. What was, has been the biggest change for them that led to, the, led to their success in the second half? Yeah, it feels like they've gotten a lot of consistency going. You know, a lot of what I've sort of kept waiting for the Cubs to be doing, where you know this is a talented team, you just need to see them firing on all cylinders. I mean, Jack Flaherty has been really good. Their pitching has been good. Their bullpen, which I thought they probably needed to upgrade at the trade deadline, they didn't do that. It's been at least solid enough at this point. Um, and it just sort of feels like a lot of guys are hitting their stride. You know, Paul DeYoung is having a great year. All these guys, you know, Goldie is finally, you know, being Goldie. Um, so, you know, I still, honestly, at the trade deadline, was saying that I still saw the Cubs winning this division. And even still, I, I feel like if the Cubs get it going, they are a more talented team and a team that is more likely to be able to finish this down the stretch. I know these two teams play each other a lot in September. So that's really where this looks like it's headed towards being decided. But uh, the Cardinals have certainly surprised me. I'll say that. Sarah Lane's talking with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. The Cubs have a three-game set in New York against the Mets starting tomorrow night. Why have the Mets been so good here in the second half of this season? Yeah, it's, it's been really interesting. You know, I mean, they went out and made that throw and trade, which I think at the time everyone was pretty confused. You know, they were not on that stretch that they went on that started on July 25th where they had a, what, 15-1 stretch. But, 
you know, they played some not as great teams. And, you know, as much as you don't want to take away from a team's accomplishments, it's, it's definitely notable. But they came back. They played well against the Nationals. They swept the Indians. And then they got swept by the Braves. You know, so I think that they're even more of a head-scratcher than earlier in the year in a lot of ways. But there's no question that the pitching has really kind of gotten on a roll. Noah Syndergaard has been really good his last five starts, and he's getting hot at the exact right time for them. Stroman has been good. I think we're still waiting for that moment where it's like, you know, when people make the joke he became a Met, right? We're waiting for that start. Um, but, you know, ideally it would be there. And, you know, Jacob deGrom is striking out 13 and hitting home runs. So, I mean, they, I think they should be better too. You know, a lot of these teams I look at, and I feel like they should be better. Thank you, Sarah. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. That's Sarah Langs from MLB.com. You can follow her on Twitter at SLangsOnSports. And it's a fascinating series. Three-game set, Mets and the Cubs, because it feels like either team can really take a real step forward in their chase to try and either make a wild card or win the division for the Cubs' sake. Like, if if you get swept in this three-game set, that's <laughs> that's going to be terrible, right? But if you go out there and you sweep the Mets, you could put an end to this Mets deal. And you can be right into this conversation, keeping chase with the Cardinals, it's who are not, beating the Brewers tonight. It's not even September yet, Chris. You still got time. You still, there's, there's, there's still you got seven games against the Cardinals uh, left this season. It's early. Don't worry. Relax. We talk about Mitch Trubisky's mechanics hmm. coming up next. Black and Abdallah in for Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN app. Chris Buck and Adam Abdallah sing in for Jonathan Hood tonight on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Yesterday on our Sunday show, Black and Abdallah from 8 to 10 a.m. on Sundays throughout the summer here on ESPN 1000, we got a chance to talk with SB Nation's Brett Coleman. You can also find his work on YouTube. He has awesome film breakdowns on YouTube. Just search his name, Brett Coleman. And we uh, asked Brett about Mitch Trubisky, his development, and his mechanics. There were two things that I saw from Mitch that I think uh, he, he, he was good last year. I think there was two things that were holding him back from being great, and thus two things that uh, may be keeping Chicago from being like the clear top Super Bowl favorite. One was decision-making, and two was accuracy. Decision-making, I think, was a relatively fixable problem because, again, it was his first year in the system, and when he was having problems with decision-making, I feel like it was he was kind of overthinking and trying to find the perfect read and holding the ball either a little bit too long or not holding it long enough because he saw something pre-snap and then didn't wait to read coverage post-snap, and he just took it immediately kind of without thinking. So I think when he's more comfortable in the system, um, you're going to see him maybe take a little bit of extra beats post-snap to go through his other progressions, and then also you're going to see him maybe – get to where he wants to go a little bit quicker when he's holding the ball for way too long, which he did a lot last year, um, and find not the perfect read, but just the correct read. Uh, that was probably the biggest mistake I saw with him a lot was like he, he would try to find the perfect throw, and at some point it's like, dude, you've got the ball for three seconds, get it out. So I think decision-making is going to be better in year two because he's more comfortable in the system. Uh, and then accuracy, that was really more of a mechanical problem to me. Uh, it was more of an issue with his hips. Uh, a lot of quarterback coaches will tell you this, like velocity comes from your hips. You have to get a full rotation in your hips uh, before you release the ball. You can't kind of trail that back foot and the back hip 
behind the release because then you're just really relying entirely on your arm for velocity. And when you're, re- when you're relying entirely on your arm, it cuts down on your control. So I, I want to see him really generate more torque, more velocity from his lower body so he can use his arm more for control and kind of accuracy and touch and placement, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's tough to tell if he has improved his mechanics just through little training camp videos and what few preseason snaps he's had. But in the first month of the year, I'm going to be, uh, be paying pretty close attention to that because uh, his accuracy problems last year were, to me, entirely that mechanic issue. So if Mitch fixes those two things, if he gets more comfortable and if he fixes his hips, uh, there's no reason to me why I couldn't consider Chicago a top three team in the NFL this year. That's Brett Coleman from yesterday with Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. And when I think of Trubisky missing badly on throws, they seem to be the throws that are the easiest, which would also look at the mechanical breakdown where he's maybe not giving the full attention to detail when he's trying to fire away. Yeah, like if he's just using his arms instead of using his hips like he was talking about, that might lead to underthrows or overthrows like we saw a lot of last season. That's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Black. Coming up next, who are the top five players in the NFL? ESPN has a new list. We'll tell you about it. Coming up next.